the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. New science, which has led to new efforts to prevent triple negative breast cancer, and following that, ovarian cancer. I speak with Dr. Amit Kumar, president and CEO of Anixa Biosciences. And now, Dr. Amit Kumar. Well, Dr. Kumar, welcome to Biotech Nation. Thank you for having me. Just hearing the term breast cancer, uh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying for anyone just even to think about it. And there are many different types of breast cancer, some far more aggressive than others. That's right. The breast cancers are typically characterized by specific proteins that are expressed on the breast cancer cells. And so many breast cancers are either express proteins that are receptors for certain hormones like estrogen. Another type is progesterone. Other types of breast cancers are characterized by expression of a protein called HER2 nu which is a growth factor. But the most aggressive type of breast cancer is called triple negative breast cancer because it has none of those three proteins that I mentioned. And as a result, those cells grow without influence from those outside factors. And so they're very aggressive. We as a society don't have uh, very good therapies for that type of breast cancer. And in fact, the largest percentage of women who die of breast cancer are uh, those who have triple negative breast cancer. Now, you said to me in an earlier conversation, you have one cell that has the mutation that makes it cancerous, and that multiplies and multiplies. It has to get to a trillion cells before it's a lump and you can feel it? Well, yeah, I, the you know typically cancer begins with one aberrant cell uh, that becomes a cancer cell essentially, and then that becomes two cells, reproduces and becomes four, eight, sixteen, and so forth, and eventually getting to a large number of cells. I just use a trillion as a big round number. That's not exactly what uh, what it becomes, but uh, but it becomes a large number of cells. And eventually you start feeling it as a lump when you do a self-exam and you see it on your mammogram. So there have to be a lot of cells, a lot of cancerous cells to become uh, a cancer tumor. That's correct. If you have eight cells or 16 cells or 32 cells in the earliest stages of uh, neogenesis, uh, you don't see that. On a, uh, you, don't, you can't feel that when you do your self-exam and you won't see that on a mammogram. Once it's you know, billions to trillions of cells, that's when you see it as a lump. And that's true of any of the breast cancers. That's correct. That's true of any of the breast cancers. That, in fact, that's true of any type of cancer as well, any type of solid tumor. The Cleveland Clinic has had such a tremendous reputation for breakthrough research over the years. And I know that they have been working on triple negative breast cancer, and you are now working with them. Uh, Now, tell us the story of their work over the last decade. Well, yeah, there's a visionary immunologist there named Vincent Tui, who had this idea of preventing breast cancer, or I should should say preventing cancer in general from uh, even arising. Uh, which is a little different than what the 
typical approach for addressing cancer has been in the past. And uh, over the last decade, he and his research team has been working on this approach. And uh, a lot of animal studies have been done demonstrating that uh, it works. And so in 2019, Anixa, I met the Cleveland Clinic and Anixa decided to partner with Cleveland Clinic to take that technology into you know clinical setting the human testing setting and then eventually commercialize that technology and so we've been part we've partnered with the Cleveland Clinic to do that which includes doing the clinical studies you know which are the human studies demonstrating the efficacy and safety of this vaccine and then eventually commercializing it so that uh, women can benefit now i have to say that All products start with basic research. What was the idea? What did they look at? What were they going for in this basic scientific research? Well, they made a discovery. And as you uh, indicated, uh, typically uh, a lot of, you know, products come with a discovery, sometimes discoveries that are sort of surprising. And they found that there was a protein called alpha-lactalbumin, that is expressed in the breast of mammals, but only when those mammals are lactating, because this protein is necessary to help produce mother's milk. So when a woman gives birth, the protein is expressed only in the breast to help produce milk to feed the infant. Once the mother stops breastfeeding, that protein disappears because it's not necessary. And uh, we say it's, it's a retired protein. However, the discovery that Cleveland Clinic made was that when a woman gets breast cancer, and specifically triple negative breast cancer, those cells, those cancer cells are frequently producing that protein again. So Vincent Tui had a, had a hypothesis. He said, if we could train the immune system to destroy cells making that protein, then when cancer cells arise, the immune system will destroy those cells and the cancer cells will never have a chance to become a tumor. Because as I noted earlier, tumors start as a single cell, then they become two cells and four cells and eight cells, and eventually becoming a big mass of cells up to billions to trillions of cells. When they're at that large stage, it's very difficult to to deal with. However, the immune system could potentially destroy those cells when they're at the 2, 4, 8, 16 cell stage. And hence, those cells will never have the chance to gain critical mass and become a tumor. Well, let's take the part where we've already had all our babies. We're not going to be doing any more breastfeeding that we know of. And we're saying, okay, great. Now we either have it or we're afraid we're going to get it. We have some indication there. So we're going to want to equip the immune system to destroy any cell that makes that protein with the presumption that uh, that would be a triple negative, potentially cancer cell. Is that right? That's correct. That's exactly right. But how do you do that? 
typically you vaccinate the patient. A vaccine is a group of chemicals that teach the immune system to attack something. You know, we're all very familiar with the recently approved or authorized uh, COVID vaccine. And the, the purpose there is to enable the immune system or equip the immune system to attack the virus if you're exposed to the virus. In this case, what we're doing is we're equipping the immune system to attack alpha-lactalbumin-producing cells. And we do that by creating a vaccine that includes alpha-lactalbumin and something called an adjuvant, which is what uh, helps spur the immune system to recognize alpha-lactalbumin. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other things that uh, are incorporated that uh, are not, you know, we don't necessarily need to go into those details right now. So here's here's what we're looking for, and the rest is to coax the immune system. Hey, look for this. Look for this. This is what this is what you're after. That's correct. That's correct. And this is the alpha lactalbumin. Now, all of these human trials start with animal trials. Yes, I know we're we're trying to get off of animal trials to other things, and that's great. A lot of work being done there, but usually at this point we have preclinical trials. These are the animal trials before we go to humans. What has been done in the animal trials? How did they turn out? There are a number of animal studies that we've done. The most compelling one was a study where uh, mice that were designed to get breast cancer uh, were used. Now, these are mice that if you just let them grow after they're born, you let them grow, they'll all develop breast cancer. This is a special type of mouse that has been designed specifically to study breast cancer therapies. We did something a little different with these mice. We took half these mice and vaccinated these mice with the breast cancer vaccine, and then the other half got a placebo. And then we watched them as they grew. It turns out that 100% of the mice that were given the vaccine uh, were, remained cancer-free whereas almost all of the mice that were given the placebo developed breast cancer and died. So what that told us is that we were able to, in a mammal species, you know, obviously mice are not, mice are not humans, but, uh, but they are mammals, and we demonstrated that this vaccine could eliminate breast cancer in, uh, in that species. Now we're engaged in human trials to demonstrate the same effect in human beings. And we're in the phase one uh, portion of the human trials. So just beginning. Now, this phase one of the phase one, two, three clinical trial trifecta, I call it. It's like you got to get through all of them. Phase one is where we test for safety and we escalate dosages over time to see at what point will we create other side effects that we don't see now. As I understand it, you've got two different phase one studies going on. Explain that. Yeah, this is a very unique situation uh, that ordinarily doesn't occur for most types of studies. But we have a phase 1A and a phase 1B. In the phase 1A, we are, as you noted, testing for safety, escalating dosage, and we're also looking for indicators of efficacy. So what that means is we are going to be vaccinating women who already have 
been diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer and they're going through standard of care, which is you know typically surgery and chemotherapy. And we're gonna vaccinate these women and look for T cells and antibodies in their blood. Uh, specifically, we're looking for T cells and antibodies that are created by the vaccine to target alpha-lact albumin. And secondly, you know, and of course, we're also going to be looking for all the indicators of safety. We're looking for function of, you know, uh, of all of their organs, uh, temperature, et cetera, et cetera, to just make sure that we're not creating any kind of uh, adverse side effect. And then we're going to do a phase 1B. Now, this is a very unique type of trial that ordinarily is not possible in most studies, but it turns out that many women that have mutations in their BRCA genes are often choosing to have prophylactic mastectomies. So what that means is they're having their breasts surgically removed, even though they're perfectly healthy at the time, because they have a very high probability of getting breast cancer. This would be Angelina Jolie would be the example of this. That's right. Angelina Jolie had that done some time ago. And the purpose is to uh, eliminate the possibility of cancer because it's most likely that they will get cancer. And it's most likely that they'll get the triple negative, very aggressive form of the cancer. So many of these women are having their breasts removed. And so we're taking the opportunity to vaccinate them before they have their surgeries. And then not only are we going to be looking for T cells and antibodies in their blood and safety, but we get a massive amount of tissue after their surgery. And we can look at the tissue at a microscopic level to evaluate whether the T cells are surveilling the tissue because there may be, you know, micro, uh, micro tumors in that tissue. Now, a couple of questions here. Are the women in these phase one studies receiving a permanent vaccine? Well, we, you know, when you think about permanency, um, uh, we, we like to think that it's going to be permanent, but we won't know. We will be following these women for 15 years uh, or perhaps longer, but, uh, but we won't know if uh, it's going to be one and done or like, like many vaccines are or it's going to be something that requires periodic uh, boosting. Boosters. We, we, don't, we don't think... <laughs> we know that, boosters. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't think it'll require boosters because the target, which is alpha-lactalbumin, is not a virus that's mutating, for example. It's a, it's a set protein, and it's the same uh, you know, throughout your lifetime. But let's say you're one of these women who know very early on, say in their early 20s, that they have BRCA1 and or BRCA2 mutations. And they say, this, I really need this, but I want to have children. Can you take the vaccine and have children? Well, you know, we look at the animal studies to tell us what would happen. And you're right, there will be many women that know that they have uh, mutations that have a history of uh, breast cancer, and they may want to take this vaccine before they've had their children. In those cases, a woman can still get pregnant, still give birth, but the breasts of those women will not produce milk because the immune system is destroying those cells 
that are making alpha lactalbumin, which are helping to produce the milk. And, and there may be some inflammation in the breast that may produce some discomfort, but this is not life-threatening. Have you ever had a baby, Dr. Kumar? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I, I understand. <laughs> now, when you're finished with phase one, you're going to presumably go on to phase two and phase three. What will those clinical trials look like? The, uh, the design of phase two and phase three will be dependent on the data from phase one. So I can't give you all the details, but in general, a phase two trial utilizes a larger number of patients to look again for uh, safety. And typically you use the dose, the maximum tolerated dose that is uh, appropriate in that study. The MTD, mass, maximum tolerated dose, is something you determined in phase one, and now you're gonna test all of the women in phase two with that dose. And then the critical trial is the phase three trial. And that's where you take a large number of patients who would get the vaccine, and then a large number that get a placebo and it's double-blinded, so the patient and the physician don't know if they got the vaccine or if they got the placebo. And then you watch these women, and you watch over a period of time to see how many incidents of cancer occur, and when they occur, you put them into the placebo bucket or you put them into the vaccine bucket, and the ratio indicates how efficacious the vaccine is relative to nothing. So, so it's you know similar to what, what was done with the COVID vaccine. Uh, a large number of patients were given the vaccine and a large number were given the placebo. And you watched how many COVID infections occurred in the vaccine arm versus the placebo arm. And that told you what the uh, ratio, you know, what the efficacy was. And so that's what we're gonna do with that type of trial. And it may take a few years to complete that uh, section of the uh, of the trial, but we hope that we see the results similar to what we saw in uh, in the animal studies. Now you said in phase two it's a smaller study, in phase three it's a larger study. What kind of numbers are we looking at? How many how many subjects are in each? It'll depend on what the data looks like in phase one and phase two, frankly. But in general, it'll be uh, on the order of thousands of of women who will be uh, participating in the trial, you know, a couple of thousand. Now, in phase three, with these several thousands of women, how do you qualify the women? Well, in this particular trial, we're interested in women that have mutations in their BRCA genes because these women are highly susceptible to getting breast cancer and typically when they do get breast cancer, it's triple negative. And so this is what we call, you'd call an enriched population. And then we'll be testing, you know, we'll be giving half of them the vaccine and the other half a placebo. And we'll just be watching them over time to see how many women in each uh, arm gets cancer. Now, can you detect that cancer early? Well, there are a number of companies that are trying to develop technologies to try and identify cancer as early as possible. However, the FDA is, you know, those are not FDA approved products at the current time. So the FDA is going to require 
in our clinical trial that we diagnose the cancer using the standard techniques, which is typically mammography. So it has to be well along to be acceptable to the FDA. That's correct. And if you had that mutation and you have thousands of women, how many would you expect to develop cancer without the vaccine? Just a handful. In fact, uh, it, it depends, you know, the, the trial will last long enough to get statistically significant ratio between one bucket and the other bucket. So if we find that, you know, an equal number of women are getting cancer in the vaccine group versus the uh, placebo group, then the trial is going to last a long time. If, however, if we see a large number of women in the placebo group get cancer, but no or few women in the vaccine group get cancer, then, then it'll be a shorter trial. And, uh, you know, you might be able to uh, complete the trial with only 20 or 30 women having, uh, uh, having uh, contracted cancer in the placebo group if, if the vaccine group is zero or just a handful. Dr. Amit Kumar is the president and CEO of Anixa Biosciences. I keep going back to the original idea of the discovery that uh, this well-known protein was on the surface of, of breast cells while you were lactating, and then it retired. You didn't need it anymore. But when you got to this one stage and you had it on the, the cancer cells of triple negative breast cancer, it came out of retirement. This was an enormous discovery. Does this relate at all to ovarian cancer? Well, it turns out that there is a similar protein on the ovaries that retires over time. In this case, the protein retires by the time a woman reaches menopause. However, when epithelial ovarian cancer arises, which is you know the most common form of ovarian cancer, uh, those cells are producing that protein again. So similar to the breast cancer case, we are working with the Cleveland Clinic on developing an ovarian cancer vaccine that targets that protein. Um, now that program is a little earlier, you know, little earlier stage. Uh, and so we're probably about a year and a half away from getting into clinical trials there. Dr. Kumar, we have one incidence here in breast cancer, triple negative breast cancer. We have another in ovarian. Uh, could this have general applicability? Yeah, we think uh, in the breast cancer situation, we think uh, that uh, it's possible that this vaccine could eliminate many other types of breast cancer. Um, we're focused on triple negative because it's the most aggressive uh, type of breast cancer, and we've studied it very well. But uh, any breast cancer that's producing alpha-lactalbumin should be could be targeted by this this uh, vaccine, and potentially we could eliminate a large number of uh, all types of breast cancer. And then on top of that, uh, more generally, as we discover new proteins, new retired proteins, and other types of cancer, in principle, we could develop vaccines against all of those other types of cancer. 
And who does not have cancer somewhere in their family? Absolutely. Uh, Cancer is one of those diseases that every one of us has either personally dealt with or uh, know someone who's, you know, who's had it. And uh, it affects it affects the, the person uh, who has the disease as well as everyone in that person's orbit. In fact, uh, a few years ago, my mother uh, contracted breast cancer, and uh, now my two daughters, for example, are at high risk. And uh, I would love to be able to, at some point, uh, vaccinate both of them and not have to worry about breast cancer for them. Well, Dr. Kumar, thank you so much for coming in. I hope you'll come back and see us again. Thank you very much, Moira. Dr. Amit Kumar is the president and CEO of Anixa Biosciences. More information is available at Anixa, A-N-I-X-A, anixa.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.